0: My first question is, why does Lucas talk so much? At (laughs) all.
1: This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of five to fifteen introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at hired.com/adventures-in-angular. Does your team need to master Angular JS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours. AngularBootcamp.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 105 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. Hey, everybody. Lucas Rubelkey. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Quick shout out. We're probably getting close to Angular Remote Conf, which is in the middle of September. So if you don't have your ticket, go get it now. Uh, we also have a special guest this week, and that is, uh, I'm going to totally Americanize your name, Igor Kamenetsky. Hello. You want to introduce yourself real quick?
2: Sure. Um, so, my name is Igor Kamienetsky. You can just use Igor. Um, I'm an engineering director at Triangle uh, I.O., um, a consulting company specializing in JavaScript. And we're based in Toronto. And we are uh, the creators behind Augury, the open source tool for Angular 2 to debug applications with Angular 2.
3: First of all, what does the word even mean? Like, why Augury?
2: The easy so, answer
0: is is because it's not uh, Angular.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess there is more to it in in a way. But um, originally we called the tool um, Batarangle, which was just a <laughs> code name. Really, it was uh, a mix of two words, which was Wrangle and Batarang, the Angular one tool. Um, but we so glad that name changed. So glad. Yes. Well, it was a code name for a reason, right? Right. Uh, We changed it to Augury because Augury is, well, um, it's the official definition is um, a sign of what will happen in the future. And Norman, thank you, Lucas, for posting that, actually, because I don't remember this on top of my head. Um, But I guess the idea is to give you like some kind of special insight into your um, application at runtime. And we thought that uh, would kind of reflect that sentiment. I
0: think it's a really cool name. I really like it. It's one of those words you don't hear a lot, but um, at least I read science fiction and fantasy, so I've heard the word used a few times, right? And so I recognized it. I was, and when I first heard the new name, I was like, okay, as bad as bad Badarangle was, this is like that much good and even more, like a cool name. Right? Versus, say, what was what's that new, the name for the new... Babble Buble Buble. Have you heard of the Buble tool? Uh, no! It's like Babel, but you know the Babel tool, the uh, transpilation tool. Yeah, it's it's Babel, but it's a very opinionated focused version. Right? Oh, I see. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, could you have picked a a, a closer name to bat? Like, a, it was just a horrible. I think it's a horrible name.
2: Well, there were some was other just, things. There was a, the tracer, which was spelled the transpiler from Google, which was spelled strangely with the use so I'm like how they print tressure trans- 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 yeah. that
3: at least it's not testacular though
2: <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that much of a problem with it until
0: everybody else was like phallic symbol phallic symbol <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never even thought about it and then everybody's freaking out about it oh and uh Ryan Florence was one of the most outspoken critics I think that was the whole reason he decided he was gonna hate angular was because of testacular had nothing to do with the merits of it. It was all about that name.
2: <laughs> I'm glad you guys are enjoying the name, though.
0: I really like it. I th- I think it's a cool name. I think it's one of the cooler, more fun names for a tool that actually exists. Babel is, I think, a pretty cool name. I think they named yeah. that pretty well. Webpack, meh. It's kind of industrial. Angular, it's kind of fun, but I think Augury has a a fun ring to it, and it's you know right in the right vein.
2: Okay, that's that's good to hear. We had some other, uh, you know, ideas like Bug Killer Three Thousand XXL. That was a close <laughs> contender there, but uh, oh my, did not did not make the cut. I guess
0: Agri is definitely better than that one.
2: Yeah. So, have you guys uh, used Agri before? I hear that Charles actually managed to install and get it to work. Uh, but I don't know about you, Lucas and and Joe.
3: I haven't F- yet. Finally, today. I got it I got it to work. Um, I tried actually pre engineconf and I, I don't know if I was just maybe it was my angular app that just was so bad. Augury couldn't handle it, but uh, I was really like I was really looking for like ammunition today to just be like, what's the deal with this? It doesn't work. And then it just fired right up and it was beautiful with graphs and all like this wonderful information, you know just kind of omnis of like what's gonna happen in the future. and so like I have nothing to say like it's rad, like it's cool, it works.
1: Now, it works for me in Chrome. Does it run in any other browsers? No, not currently.
2: Um, you have plans
0: actually, to make it run in other browsers? Uh,
2: so what we are... Okay, so I'll give you some insider info because actually that you cannot find on GitHub. We've been doing some work past week of playing around with... Uh, um, I guess it's called the Chrome or WebKit uh, remote debugging protocol. That's what your debugger actually uses to communicate uh, between your application to send the information to the debugger from your application, and like pause and all that, uh, all that stuff that you usually get with debuggers. And we were kind of looking into using that so that we can decouple you know, Augury from Chrome and use it in a variety, potentially using it in a variety of other contexts. And at the first glance, it does seem to be possible in theory, but it could allow us to do a lot of cool things where we could have Augury running as a standalone process in its, own, uh, in its own little space, like electron app and things like that. So we're potentially exploring that. But ultimately, for you know, going back to your browser support question, I think we're going to focus on just having one thing work really well in uh, one environment, so to speak, and then take it from there. In short, we want to concentrate on trying to build like a good product with it.
0: Sure. Has there been much expression of concern about just targeting Chrome for now?
2: I, I haven't heard it so far. I haven't, you know, we, we don't have any GitHub issues being opened of that or anything of of that sort. Uh, but I think it's not that big of a deal because like I mean, if you wanna deal with like cross browser compatible stuff, you probably are not looking to use Augury anyway. Augury is Angular two specific stuff. There is very, there should be very little overlap, like between like browser compatibility issues and other things like that, which might prompt you to want to use another browser. So, in short, I think that's that's not going to be a major issue, at least not in the immediate future.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking along the lines of occasionally you run into the bug that only shows up in one browser, and so I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, well you know, Microsoft Edge just isn't cooperating or Firefox, for whatever reason, has a bug that doesn't show up in anything else. So, you know, I want my augury to be there too so that I can uh, look deep into the eyes of my app and know the future.
2: No, I understand. But I think I think those are going to be the minority of the issues. We, I guess we do have somewhat of a limited capacity in terms of what we can do, so we have to pick and choose. Right. So we try to focus on a, like lower hanging fruit, so to speak.
3: I'm going to just make a confession here that 99% of my development happens on Chrome anyways. So when this question was put forth, like, does it work on any other browsers? My reaction was like, well, like, what other browsers? Like, <laughs> are there other browsers? Hmm. Oh, I guess there is. So I would imagine most developers are probably, generally, my experience is that they go like, straight to Chrome because of the developer console in the Mm -hmm. ecosystem
2: yeah it's definitely the most popular browser for I mean among many other things development as well
1: well yeah and Lucas has the right of it I mean when I do development I'm generally building things and then trying it out in Chrome because the developer tools are so nice and they just seem to be so much further ahead than anything else that I can get most of the information on most generalized bugs out of it Mm mm-hmm And then if there's something that is browser-specific to something else, then I'll fire it up over there and see what they have that will help me figure out the problem.
2: Yeah, I usually find it to be the same way. Although I think um, you guys are going to make fun of me now, but I think uh, Microsoft's debugging tools are usually quite good as well.
3: Hey, you watch your mouth.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
3: So so what are you talking about, like, Microsoft Edge, like the new stuff, certainly not the old stuff, well, like, but let's qualify that statement.
2: Okay, so generally, I'm, I'm gonna go a bit back here, right? And um, I guess I'm an enterprise developer, essentially from like my background, and I spent a lot of time doing that kind of development. Recently, I focused less on the day-to-day of development, but I really, really liked using the debugging tools in IE starting from, I think, IE 7 or 8 because we had to support it back then. We actually had no choice. Uh, We had to, you know, essentially target those browsers for those specific uh, requirements. And um, having worked with things like Visual Studio and whatnot and being used to like all the fancy debugging, conditional debugging and all that sort of stuff, like having that work in the browser uh, from Microsoft out of the box is actually quite a nice surprise. I'm not sure, like, Firebug and Firefox and and whatnot like I'm sure they had comparable comparable things but maybe that was kind of the very first one I encountered in my day-to-day development which was some time ago recently I believe last like I played around with Edge a little bit last year and um, looked at the debugging there it just seemed pleasant to use very intuitive so I've enjoyed it but my day-to-day debugging does happen in Chrome though mind
3: you now like you're just going to forever be famous for augury like i mean this is like you are augury like you are the face of augury first of all like chrome developer tools like there's so much stuff that you can you know really get into i'm I'm always finding new stuff out like give me like one or two of like your favorite like chrome developer techniques that you use and also maybe something about you know the augury tool mm-hmm. that is just super handy that maybe somebody wouldn't know like right out of the gates
2: Okay, well, be, be, before we get into that, I just want to, you mentioned that like, I'm the face of Augury, and that's actually very uh, flattering, but there is a lot of, quite a bunch of other people that are involved in this, even more so day-to-day. I wrote like, the original code for Augury at the very beginning, and then you know, I do a PR here and there, but there is a bunch of other people within the company that that help Augury to be what it is. Recently, actually, uh, Vanessa, one of the developers who worked on Augury, uh, have given a presentation at uh, uh, Barcelona. I believe it was Angular Camp. Anyway, it's not just me. There's a team of people behind it and, and whatnot. Um, but going back to your question with the Chrome and the tools that I like to use within it. So here's the thing. This is not something I use day to day, but something that I find really impressive and that I really like. Their um, profiling tools are extremely advanced from what i found you can take like heap snapshots and just generally manage like you know profile your memory usage and cpu usage and networking and all that sort of stuff so this is something that you only used to have previously in some like fancy enterprise types of products before right um the boring stuff. So seeing something like that just available in the browser for everyone to use is, is something that's extremely impressive actually for me. I, I feel also that a lot of people don't necessarily use those tools as often as they should, myself included, uh, but that would be the thing that I, I would bring up in that topic.
3: What has been the hardest thing about, so going from Angular 1 to Angular 2, that, you know, you've kind of inherited Batarang and, you know, now you essentially have to write tooling around, you know, this entirely kind of new framework with, you know, the digest cycles are different. You know, you've got, like, so kind of everything under the hood at an atomic level has changed. Uh So what was kind of the most challenging part of, like, actually getting at the atomic level and then basically, like, surfacing that information in a way that made sense?
2: The, the hardest challenge was actually like understanding what you can get out of the framework and how you can get it out. I mean, for me, also writing Chrome extensions and like understanding all those constraints um, that are unique to the environment was also something that was very hard. Yeah, so I mean, as cliche as it sounds, actually, the, the, the hardest part was to kind of start start i mean i we looked at the code for Batterang, and i mean it's a, it's a it's a separate tool right um it makes sense and whatnot but uh, it leveraged um at the time at least like less uh, capability of the chrome extension api so it's not necessarily a good thing to learn how to write chrome extensions so we looked at some other things like the polymer tools and react dev tools and all that to see how they do that so I think that was the most challenging part, understanding this Chrome extension environment and specifically the Chrome debugging extension environment. That was, I think, the hardest part.
3: So I'm looking at the injector graph here, and this is actually pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, So I have like an in, just an input on a, on a page, and so I'm seeing my top-level component, my home component, the form, and then the input. And then there's all this other stuff that I kind of suspected existed, but I didn't really know, like the default value accessor and ng-control status is another one kind of at the end of the the road here. Mm -hmm. So how are you pulling that out of Angular 1? Like, how are you traversing that? And then secondly, is what are you using to actually display this into this rather informative graphic?
2: So (laughs) it's actually, uh, we're using D3 to display this informative graphic. Really, um, in terms of how you get that information, essentially Angular stores everything as a tree of components, right? Um, At the end of the day, you can get, you know, an object representation of that tree, and um, I mean, from there, you can like all that information is for the most part is already there. We just have to essentially serialize it and send it um, across the boundary to the front end uh, of the extension. Well, what we call the front-end is what you usually see um, Ogri, uh showing in the uh, Ogri tab, right? So we don't really do too much. We don't transform this information too much or anything like that. Uh, we, for the most part, grab it almost the way it is, serialize it, add a few little things, and kind of send it to uh, the front-end for display. So... The short answer is that this information is already kind of stored in that way. And in terms of looking at specific spots, because this this object graph can get quite complex, we got a good amount of help from the Angular core team, actually, from especially from uh, Tobias and uh, Mishko himself, who uh, explained a couple of things there to, to us.
3: And so then the next question that I have, and then I'm Putting the mic down, I'm going to make Joe or Chuck ask questions because I feel like I've been yapping the entire time. Is under the component hierarchy, you can actually like hot link to you know kind of these different levels. So, for instance, the app that I'm looking at, I have an app component, an items component, form, an input, and I'm seeing this huge visualization. But then when I click on the items component, then like I jump to that in essentially the the component tree on the left hand side. And it kind of updates. So, like, how are you managing you know, like kind of communication of like? And I'm sure this probably actually goes to kind of the like the Chrome plugin stuff. Mm-hmm. But like when I click on you know items component, that it actually goes over to the left side and kind of selects that uh, mm-hmm. for me. So like that, like those kind of communications, like how's that happening?
2: So you're talking about the overlay, like when you hover over different components in your tree and getting that highlighted on your app itself on the page. You I mean?
3: Yep, so just imagine like an app component, which is my top level component, an items component, uh-huh. and then from there I have a form and an input. So you kind of got these four levels deep. So if I go and I select the input component uh-huh. on the graph on the right hand side, I get this, you know, nice kind of layout of how everything's connected. And uh-huh. then right under that, you kind of got that breadcrumb menu that says like app component. You got the double arrows, items component, uh-huh. input. Well then when I go to I can actually click on that items component. Uh-huh. And then it automatically, like the selection jumps from the input all the way back up to the items component, you know, then everything is kind of like refreshed on the injector graph and it just shows that. So like, how are you handling like that communication within the the tool itself?
2: I'm not gonna lie, this specific part of functionality, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm gonna give it my best stab from what I remember without looking at the code. A lot of the times we actually have a reference to the native element itself. When you like work with native elements within Chrome extensions, it's it's very easy to um, just essentially get to where it is on the page. It's as if you were going almost like you were going to the elements tab and selecting something and like double-clicking that. So something similar happens within the um, breadcrumbs functionality, but to be honest I don't remember exactly but i think like the a lot of the mystery behind augury uh, can be like really removed mm-hmm. by just understanding essentially that what what the extension does is really it's, it injects a script into your application we usually refer to that script as the backend in in our architecture and what it does is it essentially wraps your application Right. And uh, it listens to changes on the DOM, listens to the changes in your application, and sends messages to to the front end as a result of that. So so think about it as if you kind of wrote a script that wrapped some kind of a web app and uh, is getting information out of it and it's sending it to the front end. So a lot of the things like you know, the overlays and whatnot are essentially based on the fact that we run within your app.
3: I'm stunned into silence. Actually, also, I just realized that you could type in just any component, and it would actually then go ahead and select that for you in the component tree um, automatically. So, like for instance, I typed an in input, and it just went and selected that for me. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't have to do anything now. Like, I just tell Augury what to do, and it just like reads my mind and does it.
2: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I guess it is named appropriately, after all.
3: That's it. It can, <laughs> it, can
2: tell, it can tell my future. It's
3: just it sees it.
2: There was an interesting thing, actually. I wanted to ask you guys. You mentioned Chuck uh, mentioned that you know you tried to install the app and whatnot, and you did that like right before the ng-quant, because it seems like that's roughly when you heard about it.
1: That would have been Lucas.
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. Lu- okay, sorry, Lucas. Yeah, uh, like a lot of the stuff like we do is you know a lot of our milestones are kind of related to conferences in some ways, right? Like I mean, we did the original prototype at the Angular Connect last year. And uh, we did a full kind of rename and unveiling of the tool more at NgConf and whatnot. So a lot of our milestone work is happening, um, is, like aligned with conferences, or at least seems to to naturally.
3: So I think what you're trying to tell me is that there's another major Angular conference coming up very soon, hmm. and Angular Remote Conf is what Chuck wants me to say. And that, that would be true. That's a very large Angular conference. But also, Angular Connect, like, are we going to get a gold-plated edition? Any any big announcements you would like to, to pre-announce? Like, you heard it here first, Ventures in an Angular exclusive. Come on, Igor.
2: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I don't know how much of an exclusive it is, but, I mean, I don't know. My hope, I guess that's my personal hope, is that, Angular two will be released by the time Angular Connect is around. Hopefully. Like for me, a lot of those issues with the product that I think maybe you guys have experienced where you tried to run the app and it wasn't working, then you tried it can't, and all of a sudden it's working again and whatnot will hopefully be addressed. Like part of the reason why those issues happen is because again, um, Angular two was still in beta. Um RC at this point, anyway, the past several months, like it was changing, right? And we, um, it was sometimes kind of hard for us to keep up with all the changes, right? So, you know, beta 17 would roll out, yet we would for some reason work with beta 13 or something like that uh, until that point. So anyway, the bottom line is that my hope is that by the conference, hopefully Angular 2 will be released, we'll see, and this will allow us to hopefully, align with the final release and have a bit more stability there for you guys.
3: I love it. So, actually, I do have another question. I I said I would shut up, but sorry. But Um, you lied. I lied. lied. This just popped into my mind. So, I've actually had the opportunity to work with Wrangle on a project recently. On one hand, you know, Wrangle is a commercial enterprise, but um, I'm pretty impressed with just the amount of you know, work that you just put into the community in terms of like open source. And um, so obviously we have Augury, but I don't know if people know this, but there's actually a really good Angular 2 kind of, I don't know who was done in Gitbook, but it's it's a really good like Angular guide that um, was put together by Wrangle that I thought was a really, really interesting read. Um, you know, I'm curious, like, what is the, you know, the impetus, the drive of, you know, on one hand, you know, to have a commercial business, but at the same time, you know, just doing all this like amazing, like free stuff for the community, and you know, kind of like how that you know all balances out into the universe.
2: Well, I mean, like big part of it, and I, I, and I know which project you're referring to, by the way.
3: To, to <laughs> it's, we can uh, talk about that later.
2: Yeah, yeah. So one of my favorites, actually. But anyway, um, I think a lot of what. Manifests this type of you know, things coming out of Rangle is that um, we try to well we tend to attract the kind of people that are that are extremely dedicated and like have true passion for coding and tech in general, but specifically in JavaScript. It's just part of our company culture, right? We have conference days. We always go to um, Angular, React, or any other any other JavaScript related conference, conferences and whatnot. So. Part of that is, you know is we're using a lot of tools that are provided for the community for commercial purposes, right? Um, that's what's kind of great about open source and that's what allows us to be very profitable. And I think that also kind of translates into us wanting to give some stuff back. Like the Angular 2 resource you're referring to uh, is you know, essentially a manifestation of our like, commercial efforts where we provide Angular 2 training. We have been doing that for quite a while I I did some of that as well, actually, back in the day. And um, we want, you know, not everyone necessarily can afford to take an Angular 2 course with, with, you know, like with instruction and whatnot. But at the same time, you know, if you have the passion, drive, and dedication, you can learn everything you need to learn on your own. And that's uh, actually what the Git book is for. Like this is a resource that we use to teach people in person, in class, or remotely for you know paid training, so to speak, for other companies usually. But at the same time, we want you know anyone else to be able to go and read it and learn on their own as well. Again, as part of probably us wanting to give it back to the community. I don't think we have necessarily an official a company statement as to why we try to do this. Um, this is my best take on 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 why and how and how does the mm-hmm. universe where in that way.
3: Well, it's really a kind of a culture thing, if you will. I think just even mm-hmm. within the community, like, you know, why do we spend, you know, hours, you know, every week, you know, writing blog posts or, you know, doing a podcast or whatever is that, um, at least for me is, you know, programming has, you know, created a, an, an amazing livelihood, you know, more than I could possibly ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And so just the opportunity to just take, you know, all the amazing things that has happened to me and then, you know, give that back in hopes that, you know, somebody can then take that information and, you know, enhance their skill set. And, you know, as a result of that, not enhance their quality of life, but, you know, even more so, you know, their families and, you know, their kids and, and, and whatever. So um, I think just across the board, I think, you know, people who really appreciate programming, I find a, a real sense of kind of generosity that mm-hmm. they always really give back. And that's, you know, why I'm looking at the Angular training book. Uh, that you guys have done, and it's, I don't know, it looks like uh, probably if I printed it out, it'd probably be like 200 pages or something, but um, excellent resource, Uh, but so, you know, high five for doing that, like, I appreciate that.
2: Yeah, thanks for uh, calling it out.
0: Here, here. Good job, Lucas. And good job, (laughs) Wrangle. Thank you. All right, so I have some questions, now that Lucas is not stealing the floor anymore. My first question is, why does Lucas talk so much?
3: At all. (laughs)
2: <laughs> either or a cocaine
3: yeah i don't know what I, I get it mixed up sometimes
2: all right so um i've
0: been playing around with augury just a little bit uh what's funny is lucas you said you had some problem i mean i guess you had some problem with it before but i just installed it as a chrome extension and then opened up an app and boom it's up and working, it seems doesn't seem to have any problems at all. But what I did notice is, and it says this on your page, that there's like limited compatibility with the deprecated router. So does that mean that there's no compatibility with the new router at the moment?
2: Uh, no, there is. There is. Um, I believe we support the latest new <laughs> router we support is Beta 2. Right. Um, so there is compatibility with it. At the moment, we're kind of trying to um, support both. But I mean, obviously, eventually we'll 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 remove the reference to the old deprecated router, which I think should be soon. Like I think they're they've been releasing a bunch of uh, versions quickly.
0: So you still do need to do the little uh, this little uh, hoop by injecting the router into your root
2: component. Yeah, yeah. Um, and
0: that's it, is that likely to ever go away, or will that always be a
2: little hoop? It should go away. Um, I wish I could tell you exactly when and, and how, but I'll just say
0: soon. <laughs> well, it's a, that's a pretty small price to pay to get what Augury gives you. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm just like, I pulled up this app that I'd written, and man, it's just so nice to for debugging. Like, ah, oh, I was looking at this and thinking, oh, gosh, I should have bit the bullet and played around, just tried it beforehand because I had a couple of problems that this would have made a lot easier. Uh, already, and I like how you can fire off events. If you're got a component that exposes an event, you can see it, and then you can manually fire the event off, and don't have to like figure out how in the UI to get the event to fire. Especially if it's something weird, you know, like an event that doesn't fire. It doesn't you no, know, just not just like a button click. So yeah. that's really cool.
2: That's yeah. And, I mean, uh, sometimes like you could use that to um, you know the, the object that it takes and is an object literal so you, you can do quite complex stuff with it yeah mm.
0: Mm. that's awesome so one thing i did notice and this is probably a well-known like if you have really long component names they they stack on top of each other yeah over each other. is that going to be addressed because especially when they're recommending that you put the word component as the suffix of all your components right yeah. like they're not making it easy here
2: yeah, they're not. And actually, like, this was quite a challenge of how to deal with the limited space that's available to us. Because mm-hmm. and, and, I don't have a final answer for that yet, but we're kind of working on that. But here's the thing. Feedback from the community and whatnot is extremely appreciated. So if you have an app and you have, like, long component names and there's, like, some kind of a weird, like, thing, you know, take a screenshot or even, even better, like, if you can, sh- like, create a GitHub issue with, like, some... Um, links to your repo or something, so we could actually reproduce that. That would actually be perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Okay. Here's what I think you should do. You should All just right. detect that the suffix. Look for this last word being either component or service. Mm-hmm. And if so, you could just do like C dot 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 and do an ellipsis because we already know that it's going to be component, right? Yeah. You could look for that, and then obviously, and then if it looks like it's a fixed width font as well. Which is nice for readability, but maybe if you went to a variable width font for this, that might also let you save a little bit of space.
2: Speaking of feedback, actually, like I hear a lot of good stuff coming from from you guys, and uh, I mean, my current response would be, hey, can you please open GitHub issue? Can you like you know yeah. join our Slack, get in touch with us, and whatnot? But actually, one thing. I wouldn't say we dropped the ball in it, but we definitely should have included this sooner in something we're working on right now is the ability to provide feedback directly from within the tool. So you don't have to go to uh, GitHub uh, yeah. or something like that. Like I don't know, some kind of a smiley face or something there. So we just we get like a Slack message or something like that.
0: But you gotta be careful, right? Like there's been this recent trend of projects that turn off issues because they're only taking pull requests.
2: Mm. You know they don't want people just to
0: spout off about every little tiny thing.
2: That's true, but I think like at the moment, I think we want to listen more feedback. Yeah, we're also like the community participation is is, is encouraged. Like we have a lot of downloads. Um, listen, I'll take that problem of way too many issues created by the community at this point, and maybe deal with it uh, later once once when once it is causing us issues. So to right. Speak. Um, right. One one thing, like I, I see, Joe posted a screenshot here with the situation you've described. I think that's what you meant, where you have the yep. session list overlapping with the service. Yep. Here is my personal idea. That again, I'm not a designer, but we were thinking of potentially putting those names at the 45 degree angles.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, those that would totally work too.
2: And then you just scroll, and you're good, right? Mm-hmm. Scrolling. Yeah. But you already kind of have scrolling anyway. There is no way of doing that.
0: I got to say your option to switch to dark mode, Lucas mentioned this uh, in chat, but your option to switch to dark mode is awesome.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You know, I wish, like, I love the dark mode, actually. I just wish we could somehow connect it with the setting that you've selected for Chrome. Mm-hmm. So you can set the dark mode for the whole like dev tools in Chrome, but guess what? There is no there is they don't no dramatic, them. But yeah, you can't you can't retrieve. So we have to separate yeah. setting for now. Um, and hey, good, good choice on purple. <laughs> Thanks. We might be changing that potentially to um, reflect the elements tab. I think one of the things we tried to do with the design originally. Well, at least that's what I you know asked um, uh, Fatima, one of the designers that worked with us, uh, and Daniel, when when I had their time, was to try to go in the direction of making it look native to Chrome so that it doesn't, like, stand out too much and just, like, looks as part of the uh, natural ecosystem. So that's kind of the design direction in part that we were trying to take here as well.
0: Right. So is there a way... To let's say I have a uh, or a list of you know repeated components, and I got a gazillion of them, and I want to find a specific one. Is there a way to to like with the Chrome DevTools to click on the element and then have it find it in the component tree rather than having to pick it out of the big long component tree?
2: Oh, I see. So like, you, what you're talking about is navigating your app in a way through the Elements uh, tab, and then from there being able to be uh, directed to hungry. Yeah. Um, I think there was some Chrome limitation to that, but we were looking into that, and it, 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 for some reason it wasn't something that was uh, too trivial. Mm. Um, so we figured, okay, we'll, we'll you know, concentrate on the other lower-hanging fruit, so to speak.
0: I even see, though, in the Elements tab, you've got an Augury ID on the element.
2: Yes. So Augury ID is something that we add, this mm-hmm. is, people might get confused thinking that this is Angular ID. No, but this is, right. on, and this is a way for ourselves to kind of keep track of which position in the uh, component tree, the component resides. That's actually quite simple. So if you look at, like, your root is, you know, zero, that has an angry ID of zero, right. but then its child has an ID of 0.0, and then its child has 0.00, and then 1, right. 2, and so on. Um, anyway this might actually end up being useful if you click on uh, let me find an example of where we have uh, children and uh, anyway the bottom line is like when you navigate your breadcrumbs or whatever you have in the injector graph or um, there are some means within the property tabs to navigate to different components you might like switch to a different components and the properties, and you kind of want to see which component you're referring to. So this is for now what we have, so as to be able to tell which component you're, uh, you're looking at specifically. Going back to your question of having a bunch of components of the same name type, so to speak. Um, yeah, you'll have to rely on Augury ID
0: okay yeah. so you can look up in the elements list the augury id and then go back to augury and find the matching one in the big long list that matches that id
2: basically so at yeah. least
0: there is one there's is, there is a longhand way of doing it
2: there is and it, it would be great to have like ideally that's what we should have like being able to be navigated to augury right. right away that's what you know would make it why that.
0: not hey yeah. make this little uh, search box that, where you can pick a thing make that also take in ids
2: that's a great idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) the one i'm looking at is 0203 which for the listeners means that the zero is the root component right two would be the third child of the root component and then the next zero means the first child of that third child of the root component then the three would be the fourth child of the first child of the third child of the root component right
2: yeah
0: okay Cool. So in the little box where you could type in like an element name or sorry a component name and find it, it would, if you typed in that zero two zero three, having it boom, go right down to that. I mean, I've, and I've got a little list with like four, so mine doesn't matter. But in a, a list of hundreds, this could really matter. Trying to find the, you know, you can see the data on the screen, and I could pick out here's my problem one. This is the one where somehow the state causes some kind of a bug. I need to find it. But if it's in a list of hundreds and you got to go th- scroll through this augury. Component list, which you know, just as a, a, a named list, that could be pretty pretty <laughs> onerous. It's
2: probably a pretty small mean, feature. I'm just trying it right now, but you can put Augury ID in the search, and it seems to work. Although I never tried that scenario, but like if you have zero point eight, let's say, and you have zero point eight point huh. zero, you can get two results. So All it's right. not an exact match in that sense. Right. But but yeah. it is a string-based match, basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's certainly something. Yep. Nice. So, hey, we, we already have that feature mostly.
2: Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's worth looking into it from that perspective first, really. And, and, yeah. You
0: know. This is so cool because, like, literally install was ten seconds. Yeah. And from that point, all I had to do was uh, I, I noticed that it doesn't. On an existing tab, it wouldn't come up on an existing tab. I had to open up the app in a new tab, Mm -hmm. right? But once I open it up, then boom, is working. It's showing me all this stuff, and I'm just getting more. And there was zero friction at all. And if I don't use Augury, then I haven't lost anything by installing it, Mm -hmm. right? But if I get into a bug and it's like, there's this one problem with the state. Why is it setting it to this when this happens, when it should be setting it to that? Having these tools there to help you out is just... Just yet one more option. I love this, and like how easy it is to get it up and running. And I know that you probably have more features you want to stick in, but already there's a lot of features in there, and it's pretty easy to look through them without any documentation or direction and figure out. Oh, okay, this means this, and that means that, and here, and it's very discoverable. I guess
2: is the word you should use, right? It's it's really good to hear that, and I think that's why we're kind of want to. I think we want to go a little bit easy on features at this point. Like, really, our focus should be like stability and support for all the um, proper Angular two stuff, like the new Mm -hmm. router and the in the forms, right? Because sometimes it does take a lot of effort to um, you know maintain it when when it's in like beta stage. And um,
0: oh yeah. Oh yeah,
2: A bit less in the RC stage, minus the forms in the router a little bit. But.
0: Right. RC5 should be out by the time this episode gets released. But right. Man, there's going to be some major changes there. Yeah,
2: hopefully not. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you, we'll see, yeah.
0: Have you seen the stuff for NG Model or Module?
2: Uh, no, no. Haven't, oh, haven't okay. been up to, uh, up to speed with it. Uh, yeah, bootstrapping app your app is changing hmm okay. Yeah,
0: just so right from the very beginning, the first line of code you have to write in order to make your app run, that's changing. Okay. And so when they're adding this whole ng-module, oh my, I think you guys are going to have a conniption. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, it's not, it's, listen, it's not the first time. We don't have good devs, so right. we'll figure it out.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. That's obvious. Man, the, already, though, I can, like, just playing around with it enough, just a little bit, right? I can already see that this is quite stable, and uh, really liked the the formatting and how it lays things out. It's really nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm really impressed with this. I didn't didn't play around. I played around with Batarang a little bit, in Angular one, mm-hmm. but I really like what this does. And I think that I think what this also shows is one of the things the Angular team really wanted out of Angular two they called it developer ergonomics and there was another term that they like to use. Um, just basically having an app that could support more tooling. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the first real obvious besides maybe, you know, build tools like Webpack. but this is the first real obvious tool that's saying, Hey, because of what angular two has, we can provide some really cool stuff.
2: Uh, listen, I mean, there is two types of people. There are people that like Vim and console logs and, uh, I guess there are people that like. I mean, more tooling, so to speak. It depends on which camp. Like either one is fine with me. Like I, I have no preference. But I personally fall more in the camp of people that like some visual tools as well. Right. And I, like th- this personally speaks to me. Maybe not necessarily to everyone in the JavaScript world. But, um, I do think it's important to to be able to do both
0: as well. Right. Well, another cool thing is I was just glancing at this term it has, mostly, mostly all it shows is the components that I wrote, right? I've got a fairly small app. So I've got all these components, and it shows them in their little list. But it also shows me all the anchor tags, the A tags, my form, my input, and the, the button on that form. That's the only button that's inside a form. I've got a whole bunch of other buttons that aren't inside of a form, right? And I assume what's going on here is because anchor tags and form tags are also directives in Angular 2, So, because of that, they're showing up in the component list. That's right. Whereas, if if I just put on any old like all the other elements, the HTML elements that I've got on the page, divs and stuff, they don't show up in this list because they're not directives. They're not, you know, or components. So, it's also teaching me a little bit. Like, oh, it reminds me, anchor tags are components or they're directives in Angular two. So, when Angular two sees an anchor tag, it's actually hijacking it and doing some extra stuff. Or when it sees a form, it's doing extra stuff. So it's also instructing me a little bit about Angular 2 and how it operates.
2: I got to give it to the Angular core team, but I, th- I think they've done an outstanding job. Like what you've described currently, like used to work slightly differently before, right? Before the RC1 and RC0 and whatnot. It wasn't exactly like you're describing, you would get a quite a different tree. But uh, here's the thing, like, I mean, what we really do is again, we inject a script and script into your application. And we traverse like the DOM, just essentially finding the root component of your application, root component in the sense of Angular two, and from there you can grab all the rest of the information. And like I can, I can show it to you, I guess, in a way. Like if you click on the root component of your application, and in the properties tab you should see children. So you'll see an array of the children components that you have there, which are more instances of those component objects. Um, and, and and if you look in the children array, this is where you actually get to see the, law, the raw JavaScript. You can see where we get the information that we get from, right? So, I mean, they make changes to the framework and, and whatnot, and sometimes it causes a little bit of pain. But at the same time, they made some very invasive changes, which did not really break Augury as a result. So um, uh, it's a testament of how well they're Framework is architected in many ways. I think
0: this router tree view is so cool. I mean, even though I could go in and look at all my routes and figure this out, just having it in this one place, it shows me how my routes work it is so cool.
2: You know, you guys. I thought I'm gonna try to find appropriate moments to bring up like different features of the tool, but you guys have done <laughs> excellent <laughs> job of doing that and not requiring me to do this. So, That's well, I just awesome. I
0: just. I just went over to my root component and threw in the, you know, injected the router, which took me literally like ten seconds. Refreshed the page, the router tree's showing up, and that's really cool to see. Oh, there's all my routes. This is all the routes that I've actually got. Especially when you just don't know, like, if you're gonna. Put routes in multiple places and not keep them all in one consistent place. It can e- it can be easy to forget about one particular route and one particular page that's off in the corner somewhere that you haven't dealt with for a while. Especially when you're doing maintenance, like, oh, I got to refactor all my login, you know, to, to support this. I've got an app that has two different login pages, but the one login page is just for admins, and it's used so little, I keep forgetting that it even exists.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
0: So it's cool to see stuff like this, and it shows you the path. Now I imagine. I think you mentioned this before. The new router has a lot of features, like child routes, and they're talking about auxiliary routes. I, are they live yet, Lucas? Do you know? Uh,
3: I've heard of them as a mythical creature. <laughs> I get to yeah. actually see an like an actual implementation of it. Right. So it's a lot of hand waving every time I've I've brought it up.
0: Right. So, but are you guys? You guys are like working to support all of these different things they're putting into the new router or have been put into the new router?
2: Yeah, essentially, in simple terms, this is how it works. A new version of a package comes out, we try it out, uh, usually something goes wrong, sometimes everything works out of the box, and then we kind of see uh, what, what's happening. We don't have too, too much of a, of a heads up about the changes really um, that, that are happening to the core of the framework. But so far, we've been doing fine in, term, in, in the sense of making the changes fast enough. Gotcha. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically the new router will come out, and then we'll probably need a few days, maybe a bit more, depending on like, how much of it changed. Um, maybe we need to <laughs> ask some questions from Tobias or Mishko or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, that's the workflow usually. You know, I want to mention one thing that I think Lucas wanted to bring up, actually, when we were talking uh, over chat, but no one seems to be excited. I don't know. This is my one of my personally most favorite features, and that's the view source. Um, so you can click a component, right? And um, you can click a view source. There is a, usually a view so- source that appears there uh, in the site's name, and it brings you right into your code. I don't know. Like I use Webpack a lot, and if you open that, like kind of a file explorer thing, you view, and you try to navigate into your folder just because you want to find some specific components, it's just such a pain. I would much rather go to Augury and like pick what I want and view source from there. You know.
0: Oh, that's so cool! Now, so that everybody knows, it opens up the source obviously inside of the Chrome Dev Tools, not in your IDE. Right, but still very awesome, and it uses a source map. So I did I did this, and it didn't open up the JS file, the compiled JS file. It opens up my TypeScript file, Yep. and shows me right on the it goes right to the export class line of the component. Very cool.
3: So that, that alone is worth ten times the price that I paid for this plugin. Like totally worth 10, eleven or twelve times. At least, like I'm 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 going to buy two of them today. I'm I'm yeah. going home with two plugins.
0: There's a a buy two, get one free offer going on today only, (laughs) (laughs) Because, Well, very cool. So what about Roadmap the Future? What's that like for Augury?
1: So um, I'm not... He's going to tell us the future about Augury. Yeah, Yeah.
3: the the... the Augury of (laughs) Augury. That's
2: very meta, guys. We're still a relatively small company, although we do a lot of big things. Um, But at the same time, have to manage our resources well here like my my main thing i think is to get the support for uh, the english to final release and there's a few things that we really really need to focus on there so we talked about the nice things i'm going to talk about things that are a little bit less nice um there we need to do a bunch of performance optimizations uh, we, we've done some but we need to do more and we um they come in a variety of scenarios, like I'm gonna give you an example. In the version that we're gonna release, we're gonna have this slightly different way of rendering the component tree where we're not gonna go as deep by default. So if you imagine having um, a, a, a tree with a lot of nested uh, components, I mean, that that can get pretty slow, right? And um, so we, we render it by default into three levels deep, so to speak. So it's to render the tree faster, and especially if you make edits and changes like to your components from Ongry, like you change like a class or something or something, or instance variables, like it can get slow. So what I want to do is I want to improve the performance of Ongry for larger scale applications, um, so that it's you know quite decent by the time the final version of Angular is released, because uh, I think that will make or break a lot of use cases for this, right? Uh, Enterprise or whatever large apps for clients and and whatnot need to have that uh, piece of it really nailed down. Uh, But other than that, again, support for all the latest new things and to make sure that we come with uh, support for the Angular 2 um, final version without too much delay. And the final piece, I think, is that we've, we've been doing a lot of usability type testing, mostly internally. So we're kind of looking for ways and what would it mean exactly to reach out to the community and get some feedback from them in more detail than, than currently. I think we can do much, much better on that. So those are the three main kind of things I want to do in the near term. And other than that, after that, we can explore a lot of other things. I'd like to have, in the longer term, to have something within Augry that will allow to for people to visualize the uh, updates that happen to their app. So, for example, currently we uh, like when something changes on the on your web app, we we do a diff and like you know we we kind of flash um, the component tree with the um, just to highlight the delta, those changes. We do the same thing on the properties pane, but it would be actually nice to tie it in with change detection, probably, so that you know, whenever you know stuff changes on your application, you can kind of superimpose it with the change detection strategy model of Angular 2. <laughs> Hopefully, write better, faster apps as the result. I'm not necessarily committing to that, but that's one of the things I would like to improve on. Um, So that's kind of the big, rough, unofficial roadmap just for you guys.
3: You heard it here first.
1: No, it's just for us guys. Yeah, yeah, don't 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 tell anybody. Well, I
2: mean, everyone who listens to this podcast as well. They're they're obviously (laughs) part of the inner uh, circle.
1: I feel so much less special now. (sighs) We're kind of at a time crunch for a couple of us, so let's go ahead and hit some picks. Uh, Lucas, do you want to start us off with picks?
3: Yes, I have a really easy one that has just been golden. Uh, The last couple of days, I've been training myself to use keyboard shortcuts in Gmail, and it saved me me so much time, and it's just so much more efficient. Um, So I posted a link into the chats. They've got a pretty good list of all the keyboard shortcuts you can use in Gmail, but... Just doing it via the keyboard is uh, it's kind of been a game changer for me. So I recommend everybody just discipline yourself. It's taken me about an afternoon to get used to it. And I keep having to remind myself, don't use the mouse, use the keyboard, but being able to navigate across tabs, you know, messages, you know, delete, archive, compose new messages, reply, whatever, you know, you pick up a couple minutes here or there and it adds up to uh, huge time savings over the course of a month or even a year. So that's my pick.
1: All right, Joe, what are your picks?
0: My first pick is going to be John and Dan, the John and Dan show. Uh, I'm really excited. John Papa and Dan Walline are doing a two day training in Fort Lauderdale in the beginning of October. And they asked me to help out a little bit with them. And I'm super excited to be involved. So, one, Fort Lauderdale is an awesome place, super sunny, very warm. But two, two days of training on angular two, helping out john and dan who are obviously some of the best trainers not the only trainers out there in the world but some of the best angular trainers out there our own john papa who we all love if you want to check it out the url is uh fort lauderdale that's ft learncom to come and hang out on the beach with me and john and dan oh and if you use the code aia for adventures in angular then you can get $200 off a ticket. So go check it out. And then my second pick is going to be the new Jason Bourne movie, except it's an anti-pick. Do not waste your time (laughs) seeing the movie. It was so, after, after a lot of complaining online and various places, I finally figured out the best way to describe it to somebody. It's like watching the cut footage from the other three films. It's none of the plot was com- was unique in any way. It was like take the other three films and boil them down to the most formulaic parts of their plot and make a plot out of that. So it's exactly the same as the other three, but just even taken down a notch. It's a complete waste of Matt Damon's talent. He's an awesome guy, does awesome actions, had the worst fight scenes of all of the three D- Matt Damon movies. I mean, I'm gonna even stick the Jeremy Renner movie in there to say it was it wasn't that was worth seeing of course this was not it just was a waste of uh time so i would highly recommend you don't waste your time unless you absolutely love Bourne so much you have to have to go see it but if you've seen the other movies you've seen this movie already and you've seen the good parts because all that was left here was the bad parts so that's my second and final pick don't waste your time on the jason Bourne movie
1: jason Bourne, the good parts huh
0: Jason Bourne, the bad parts. That's what it should have been titled. Jason Bourne, the bad parts.
1: I've got real quick. Uh, so this last week, July has been kind of a crazy month. Um, as you've listened to the last few podcasts, you probably noticed that I've missed a few of them. Um, I was at podcast movement and then I was doing other stuff, you know, and I was in for some of those and out for some of those last week. I was at wood badge. If you don't know what wood badge is, it's adult leader training for boy scout leaders. It's a week long. You actually have to camp out <laughs> while you're doing it. Usually I try and pick things that you know are tech-related or TV shows. But uh, I also try and pick the things that I find impactful. And this was very impactful for me. The curriculum was, was built in part with Stephen Covey before he passed away. Um, if you don't know who that is, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was just terrific, terrific training. And I absolutely... I, I just I loved it. I learned a ton. It's very Boy Scouts focused, but at the same time, I don't think you can find uh, leadership training like this for less than a couple thousand dollars, except for Wood Badge, which is about $130 per participant. So if you're looking for uh, top-notch um, leadership training, it's the same caliber. It's done all across the world. And you know, you can do it for for that uh, inexpensive, then I highly recommend it. Of course, they are teaching Boy Scouts values. If that's a problem for you, then, you know, do it. But I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, I found it to be something that uh, I think has made me a better person and at the same time has also uh, made me a better leader and has helped me think about what I want from the podcast and from my career in general. So, Wood Badge was incredible. I'm also going to pick the Boy Scouts of America uh, just because I think it's an organization that teaches great values to young men. And incidentally, you can also, if you're a young woman, uh, you can join a venturing crew and, you know, learn some of those same values. And they're terrific programs. Uh, Lastly, I'm also going to pick uh, Typhi Scout Camp, which is where my particular Wood Badge course was held. Now it's up in the Mountain Dell Scout Ranch, which is above Mountain or Mount Pleasant, Utah. So if you don't know where that is, it's kind of rural Utah. Uh, It's up on the bench. You can kind of get up there and look out over the valley, uh, that's Sandpeet Valley in Utah, and, uh, yeah, kind of see the farms and the the towns out there. And it it was really, really awesome. And just being out there in nature, we saw some four-point bucks and some five-point bucks just walking through there because you don't hunt on the... Or at least I don't believe they let people hunt on the, the scout yep. property. So they just walked through and we just didn't, it, it enjoyed the time in nature. We did some service and a whole bunch of other stuff. So that that's my pick. Great stuff. Igor had to step away for just a second. So I'm also going to take the opportunity to plug really quick. Um, I am putting on Angular Remote Conf. Uh, this will come out about two weeks, I think, before it before the conference. So you're going to want to get tickets now. Tickets will be $200, regular price. You miss the early bird. Um, if you're interested in Rails or React, those should still have early bird tickets available. And the early bird tickets are 50% off. So if you want those tickets, uh, go grab them. Um, but we're going to have a great conference, uh, a lot of great talks, and uh, I'm really excited about it. So go check it out. It's at angularremoteconf.com. In fact, I should just put in a coupon code. If you use the coupon code PODCAST, I'll give you 25% off. All right, Igor.
2: Yes. Hi, guys. Thanks for waiting.
1: It's your turn. What are your picks?
2: Since we're talking about movies and Jason Bourne, um, Finding Dory was really a movie that I enjoyed watching recently. The Octopus really, really uh, touched me in some special way. So it's pretty awesome. Go and check it out. I really liked it more than the original personally. Um, in terms of some other picks, so, I mean, since we're talking Angular too, and not probably a lot of people are learning TypeScript, already know TypeScript, I have this really awesome resource uh, by Basarat. It's a git book as well. It's a really great book uh, to learn TypeScript. Quite detailed, uh, not opinionated. Really, really fun to read. I highly recommend that. I have two more so one is something that's called All, which is an IDE for TypeScript, which is supposed to have a feature uh, that's called CodeBlaster. I've only seen uh, a GIF of it. I haven't actually seen it in the IDE, but it's pretty cool. It's at the early stages and it's TypeScript-specific. The last pick that I have is... Um, I guess one of our internal projects uh, that's called NG2 Redux. I think some people have heard about it. We are big fans of Redux and unidirectional data flow architecture at Wrangle. Um, and we use Redux and React. We use NGRX as well for our project. NG2 Redux is a slightly different thing. It's a an Angular 2 bindings for Redux, essentially slightly different than ngrx ngrx is its own uh, framework that's uh, very similar and is greatly inspired by redux and ng2 uh, redux is just again bindings if you already want to reuse a bunch of middleware and other stuff from the ecosystem and that's it for my picks
1: all right well if people want to follow up with you find out more about wrangle or check out augury where should they go
2: First of all, if you want to follow Augury, you should definitely join our Slack channel. It's open to the public and you can find instructions of how to uh, join it on our GitHub page. There's also links there to um, Augury Wiki as well. Uh, In terms of getting in touch with me, I'm just going to give you guys my email, and that's probably the best way to reach out to me. Or the Augury Slack as well.
1: All right, well, we'll make sure we get links to all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, thank you for coming, Igor.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: All right, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, and we'll catch you all next week.
2: All right. Thank you.
1: Yep. Peace out, everybody. Bye. See ya.
2: Bye.